Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our continuation of our NBA draft analysis series, and today we're going to look at the Oklahoma City Thunder. So the Oklahoma City Thunder have two picks in this year's draft. They have the 25th overall pick and the 53rd overall pick. So Jalen, for a team that exceeded expectations last year by making the playoffs, what is the position that Oklahoma City should target first? I think right now the main goal is to really try to still bolster up their point guard lineup. I think although they don't have Billy Donovan, that three-guard lineup they had with Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander was one of the most efficient lineups in the league last, uh, last season. And with the potential that they could be shopping Chris Paul, I still don't think they want to lose that magic. Now, I do think that with the new coaching staff, there's a potential that they may move away from that kind of play style. But I think there also there is a chance that they can look at it and say that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And granted, whatever player you you draft in this 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 year's NBA draft can't, you know, shine the shoes of a guy like Chris Paul. I do still think that it's an effective enough lineup that could be really good. So I think shooting guard is the area that they should go. I mean, it's one of the areas they also don't really have that much depth at. Uh, Lugans Dort is a guy that plays between uh, shooting guard and small forward. Same thing as Andre Roberson. And the only other true like two guard they have is a guy named Dev- Devon Hall, who doesn't really get a ton of time. With the fact that they kind of interchange guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander and Dennis Schroeder, I think shoring up that shooting guard depth area would be really, really smart. Because, I mean, Hamadou Diallo is really the only other guy you can think of on the roster that's a true shooting guard. And he's still kind of coming into his own as well because he's really more so built off of, off of athleticism. So if we were just strictly talking what position they need, I think it should be shooting guard as the one they shoot for in the first round. I definitely agree they do have to go with a guard, definitely because I feel like they had a lot of success with that three-guard lineup. However, I think in the first round, I believe they're going to try to target a power forward or a center. I think that they definitely need a guard, but I think they're going to wait until the second round to try to target that position. With that being said, I think with the 25th overall pick, I think the Thunder are going to select Zeke Naji out of Arizona. Uh, he definitely has a nice jump shot has a chance to develop into a three-point shot once he gets into the league. He has nice mobility. He's very athletic. I think it benefits him when he's really going to get rebounds. I think with the, the three-guard lineup currently, it's going to be interesting to see like how many minutes he gets in this type of a lineup, considering that you, know, you still have a guy like Danilo Gallinari on your team, even though there's a chance that he may not be on your team next season. Narlins Noel has some good minutes coming off the bench. You have Steven Adams, you, who he could possibly split time with as well. I think they have a nice young core of players and a mixture of solid vets. I think Najee could fit into that young core that the Thunder currently have, and I think he's going to be able to learn from guys like Danilo Gallinari if he remains on the team. I mean, I think Zeke Najee's a really uh, interesting pick just because of all the 
points you already made in terms of where he could kind of fit into this roster. Um, I also do actually really agree with the point, which I think is a really good one, of the fact that they may be able to take a guy um, at shooting guard or point guard in the second round just because of how like extensively deep guard-wise this draft is. But being able to get a big man is something where, depending on the talent range, it can get kind of dicey. So I actually think Zeke Naji is a really interesting pick. I think if we're talking about power forward or center, I think Zeke Naji might be a little bit of a reach, but I don't think that's a bad thing for a guy like that if that's their guy. I think another guy who could probably be in that same conversation is Vernon Carey, who's projected to be a first-round pick, who could be really good coming out of Duke. Um, very lumpery type uh, type player. He could kind of pick up a lot of Steven Adams-esque attributes from the way his play style was. I mean, he was a guy who averaged, um, you know, near 30 points at one point. And, I mean, earlier on in the season, and, I mean, he finished off with 17.8 points and nearly a little bit over a block and a half per game. They're obviously not going to ask him to shoot the three too much, but, I mean, he shot 38% from three this past season. So, I mean, that's a really good really good indication that maybe he could stress the floor a little bit, which is something that you can't say about Steven Adams, which gives them a different look. Um, so I think Vernon Carey, I think Zeke Naji, I think both of those guys are really interesting. Um, if I had to go with the shooting guard early on, if I was just, you know, following my own personal big board, I think Desmond Bain out of TCU would be a really good pick too. Um, OKC has proven over the last couple of draft picks that they love raw athletic talent. Um, they, they proved that with Lucas Dort picking him up, um, in undrafted free agency. They proved that with getting a guy in Hamadou Diallo about two, uh, two or so years, years ago, Terrence Ferguson, once upon a, upon a time was a guy who could just literally jump out the gym and he's been relegated to almost like a spot up three point shooter now. So it's interesting how his game has changed, but Desmond Bain has literally been the workout warrior of the NBA draft combine so far in terms of a lot of the records that have been broken and different aspects of that. Plus the dude is just completely yoked now, which is crazy to to see over the course of quarantine. So I think that would be a really interesting pick just because it kind of fits OKC's mold. But I almost kind of like your Zeke Najee pick or a guy like um, guy like Vernon Carey a little bit more because of the value of center that you're getting that late in the first round, considering the fact that although I don't think a guy like Desmond Bain would fall all the way to the, um, the Thunder's next pick, which is like mid-40s, like if not mid-50s, I think it's actually 53. I don't think a guy like Desmond Bain will fall that far, but there are a couple of guys down the line that I'll mention when we get to the 53rd pick that I think are on the table that might still fit the bill. Yeah, and you mentioned a guy like Vernon Carey, who we mentioned in the Minnesota episode. I mean, he's very physical center, finishing through contact. I mean, he's really able, he's, he's really able to draw fouls easily. So I think when you get a guy with – with such a strong presence inside the paint, I think that really benefits you, especially when he's when he's going to probably split some good minutes with Steven Adams as well. You mentioned Desmond Bain as well. I mean, he's a solid player coming out of TCU. He would not be a bad idea if, if the Thunder were going to go and get a guard in the first round. Desmond Bain is probably one of the better guards, especially going into their pick at, a 20, at a 25, considering that it's a late first-round pick and you're pretty much just trying to find maybe some draft steals as well. And I think Desmond Bain could be a guy who could be a draft steal. And you mentioned with the 53rd overall pick. So there's a lot of guys that you would mention 
in this episode that the Thunder could possibly take with the 53rd overall pick. Jalen, who do you believe some of those some of those guys that the Oklahoma City Thunder should look at and definitely definitely see that there might be some potential in them? So I think the OKC Thunder are like really interesting because like everybody that they've drafted as of late has like developed in a really interesting way. Like, I mean, if you kind of look across their roster, like Steven Adams has become one of the better rebounders in the league. Lucas Dort was a guy who showed up big in the bubble and he was knocked for his inability to shoot the three down the stretch at Arizona state. And he was one of the OKC Thunder's best three point shooters against Houston. And he also showed that he's a really elite level two-way defender. Shea Gilgis Alexander is a guy, they didn't draft him, but he was a guy drafted out of Kentucky and was shown and showed us that with more minutes, he could actually be an all-star caliber guard. I mean, honestly, I still rest on the hill that Shea Gilgis Alexander may have actually had a better year than Chris Paul this past season. And Chris Paul wasn't, was selected to the all-star game this past year. Um, Darius Baisley is a guy who I think is going to develop into a really good score for this team for them. Hamadou Diallo is a guy who still kind of plays off of raw athleticism, but he's a really good bounce off the bench for them. Like the guys who they've been able to draft all bring something really interesting to the table and they're not one dimensional. So the guys that I think of, are a guy like Elijah Hughes out of Syracuse, very used to that intense defense, the full court press that that Syracuse is known for. And he shot 34% from three, 19 points per game, nearly a steal and a half um, per game. And, you know, rebounder, willing to facilitate as well. Like he's a guy, an all-around hustle effort player. I think that's just the kind of guy that they need. Um, some other interesting names, Peyton Pritchard, leadership-wise, although – Older guard, not really necessarily a plus defender by any means, but this is an OKC team that definitely needs a little bit of help shooting the three ball. And he shot 41% from three, averaged 25 and four last year for, um, for the Oregon Ducks. And I think that's huge because he's a guy who, if you're going to lose a facilitating yet scoring guard like Chris Paul, Peyton Pritchard is not Chris Paul, but Peyton Pritchard has very Chris Paul-like qualities here and there but I think his most beneficial quality is his ability to stretch the floor with his <laughs> crazy green light to want to shoot the three ball from wherever he's at um I think beyond that the only other guy that kind of comes to mind that low maybe between guys like Skylar Mays and maybe like a Grant Riller type my only concern with those guys are just whether or not they kind of get too much in the mix with the fact that Dennis Schroeder and Shea Gilders Alexander need to be the lead guards on this team. Um, I think Skylar Mays might fit the bill a little bit more than Grant Riller because, again, like I said on past episodes, I think Grant Riller is meant to do one thing, and that's be kind of like a boost off the bench Lou Will scoring type. And I don't know if that's really what this team needs but it wouldn't be a bad like luxury to have at the guard spot. While a guy like Skylar Mays, for example, out of LSU, yeah, he's an older player getting drafted, but 6'4", 16.7 points for, um, per game, shot nearly 40% from three last year, nearly 50% from the floor, like overall efficient play within the offense kind of guy. So I think Skylar Mays, Peyton Pritchard, Elijah Hughes, like those are the guys they should try to zero in on because they're plug and play guys. And like that, that's, that's OKC for you. Get some guys that you can throw in the game and develop on the fly and they do their thing for sure. 
Yeah, and Elijah Hughes is a good choice coming out of Syracuse. He definitely had some great performances while at Syracuse. So that's definitely somebody that the Thunder should keep an eye on. You definitely read my mind when you said Peyton Pritchard because that's exactly <laughs> who I thought or who I think that uh, the Thunder are going to take with the 53rd overall pick. I just think he seems like a good fit for the, for the Thunder. Um, maybe he could take the place of Chris Paul because he's a veteran guard. Um, I mean, he's an older player coming out of college, like you said. I mean, he really turned Oregon into a, a top 15 program. So I think it was mainly just him being able to score off the dribble, being a solid shooter on the perimeter, being able to create his own shot, while also facilitating the ball to his teammates. I mean, he's a guy who averaged 20 and five and a half assists at Oregon last season. And I don't know if you really mentioned his defense, but I mean, he's really able to use his quickness to hold his own as a defender. I mean, he's a very competitive player overall. And I think with some of the experience that I mentioned earlier, I think it could really help on a team like Oklahoma City. I mean, I completely agree. Like you said beforehand, there's a lot of very positive qualities that I think a guy like Peyton Pritchard brings, um, especially with the fact that there could be a hole at point guard. Granted, it's not a significant hole because we know guys like Shea Gilders-Alexander or Dennis Schroeder can fill it, obviously. But again, if we're focusing strictly on the idea of this three-guard lineup that was so efficient last year, then you have to kind of take it into consideration. Um, Ryan, it kind of branch things out a little bit and uh, kind of open the conversation up a little bit. Um, we've seen a lot of guys kind of be brought up lately in terms of this team, not even just this offseason, but in past offseasons as well. Chris Paul, um, Steven Adams, who's still relatively younger, but um, been on this team for a while, been a staple of this team in the front court. A guy like Andre Roberson, who was definitely a tail of the, uh, tail of the tape, um, during the bubble, just great to see him back on the court after the hor uh, horrific injury that he had. Um, and of course, the guy that you mentioned the most, actually, in terms of whether or not he would be on this team, Danilo Gallinari. Are there any of these players that you think may demand a lot of draft capital to an extent that you would be willing to like to part with them? And if so, like what if you're moving on from guys like a Chris Paul, like a Danilo Gallinari, like a Andre Roberson? Um, to a lesser extent, even a Steven Adams. What kind of player or what kind of capital would you want in return for those kind of guys? Because this is an OKC team that can get good fast with the litany of draft picks they already have moving forward and the fact that they have a lot of tradable assets. So what is the kind of stuff that you would want to get in return for these kind of players? You don't have to go one by one, but if there's a player in particular you think that OKC will definitely be moving on from, you can zero on on them if you would like. I would say there's probably two. I think the first one's Chris Paul, just because I've heard a lot of trade rumors, and there's a chance that he may not stick around in Oklahoma City. Now, granted, I think he was – he had one of his best seasons last year. Um, I don't know what the plans of Oklahoma City are, considering it looked like on paper this team was going to rebuild. But I kind of have a feeling that they're not going to be rebuilding for a while, considering they now have a strong core of young players with Shea Gildish-Alexander heading that group. And then you have a solid group of vets with Chris Paul, Steven Adams, uh, Dennis Schroeder, Danilo Gallinari. I think it's going to be interesting to see where they go. I think in terms of uh, capital, I think maybe a first and a second for Chris Paul. Um, I think because 
he's going to enter his 16th year in the league, even though he is putting up 15 and five a game, he is still playing some of his best basketball. I don't know how much he'll command. I don't know how much capital he'll command. Um, I think somebody who might command more capital is Danilo Gallinari. Um, he definitely is still averaging some pretty good numbers, averaged almost 19 a game last season, five rebounds, shot 43% from the field. An underrated three-point shooter at that as well. I think the thing with Danilo Gallinari, another veteran, I feel like because he's such an asset on the perimeter, you're probably going to command a little more capital for him. Danilo Gallinari, I would, I would probably say, you know, a first, a second, and another player. Now, keep um, in mind, it would have to be a sign-in trade because he's an unrestricted free agent right now. So it would come down to the idea of maybe retaining him and using him to get more capital. So that yes. could affect the, the price tag a little bit. But I don't think you're, I don't think you're too off. I don't, as much as it's interesting like to say out loud, because I'm sure like certain listeners will be like, Danilo Gallinari is worth more than Chris Paul? Like, what? What are you talking about? But you have to factor in Chris Paul's contract. And you have to factor in his age. Although he did play above expectation last season, the clock is still ticking on a guy like that. And in terms of the fact that we know some of the preferred destinations are places like the Lakers and the Knicks, because we know that it's very limited in terms of the places he would be willing to go, it also means that the kind of draft capital or even trade capital in general is a little limited by the fact that he kind of has preferred destinations if he's not going to be a Thunder anymore. So I think you have a huge point. I kind of feel like with Danilo Gallinari, he's one of those uh, quiet stars. It's kind of like Goran Dragic. You never really know how much he's going to be effective until you actually see him on the court. I mean, Dragic was a guy who put up 20 and 5 for the Miami Heat, and he's, he was really one of the factors that helped them go to the championship. I think Danilo Gallinari really has that potential. Um, He's a guy who can give you 15 and 5. Chris Paul can still give you 15 and 5. Danilo Gallinari can give you 15 and 5 and be able to shoot well from the floor and shoot well from the perimeter. Um, he shared that with Oklahoma City. And I think he's underrated in the fact that in that deal that sent Paul George to LA, Danilo Gallinari was sort of like a throw in along with Shea Gilgis Alexander and, and uh, draft picks. I would not have expected Danilo Gallinari to be a huge part in Oklahoma City's success, considering the fact that he was just a throw-in in the Paul George trade. So I think Gallinari definitely has some capital with him. I would say I have to say the same thing for Chris Paul. I think in just to kind of piggyback off the last point that you made about Danilo, I mean, it's been like that for his entire career. I mean, if you really think about it, there was a time in terms of when he was on the Knicks, they were very – productive team at one point and he was thrown into the Carmelo Anthony deal that sent the sent him to the Denver Nuggets and that's back when they had Ty Lawson and guys of that nature at the point guard spot and they were a really interesting team Kenneth Fareed Andre Miller once upon a time like that was a really good Nuggets team and you know he's kind of relatively underrated there his time with the Clippers was definitely slept on still was averaging about 19 points per game even back then he's just been Mr. Reliable Mr. Consistent for a good majority of his career, which is something that I, I feel like is hard to debate against when you're talking about what kind of uh, capital he could command. Um, you know, Ryan, we we started to build up a little bit of a theme in terms of the second half of this uh, this draft series. So, um, you know, I got to ask the question that, you know, we've been trying to build upon for the, uh, the last couple of episodes. 
What do you think the overall philosophy of the Oklahoma City Thunder should be in terms of draft and offseason this year? Because they have a lot of guys who could either be going out the door via trade or in Danilo Gallinari's case, even he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. We talked about how, how much he is worth. Is that a guy you retain? Do you try to focus on getting a guy to replace him in the draft? What is the philosophy of a young OKC Thunder team that's moving on to a different head coach and could potentially be moving on from some, from some big contributing pieces that we saw from last season? I would have to say if you're going to try for a playoff run, I would say depth. I would try to add on to the team that you already have. And it's not just for the draft. I think it's for the offseason as well. I think Chris Paul was a huge part of your success um, last season. I think Danilo Gallinari was a huge part of your success last season. So I would try to retain both those guys. I would not want to trade away, especially considering that you were the fifth best team in the West. And I think that that really says something considering the fact that Oklahoma City wasn't even slated to make the playoffs this year. I mean, keep in mind, they lost Russell Westbrook. They lost Paul George. Yet you're able to make the playoffs with guys like Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and uh, Dennis Schroeder on your team. I think really the the name of the game at this point, I would say, you know, the theme for the Thunder is depth. I think, you know, if you get a guy power forward, that alleviates some of the minutes from Steven Adams, or I would say Danilo Gallinari if he sticks around. Um, and then if you get another guard, I mean, Peyton Pritchard is a solid choice. Again, I think that if you're able to add on to that three-guard lineup, if you're able to add on to the depth in general, Oklahoma City could be a dangerous team next season. And I think an interesting way to build upon that is a name I want people to keep an eye out for when it comes to the Oklahoma City Thunder, especially with the fact that Danilo Gallinari is moving on from this, from this team or could be at least moving on from this team if he's not retained, is a guy in uh, – Bogdan Bogdanovich, like he's a guy who is going to be up this uh this all season for the the Sacramento Kings. I think that that is a perfect guard area to attack in terms of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the fact that he's a younger guy averages fifteen point one points um for his career so far in the three years he's been in the league um or 13.5 for his career in terms of three years he's been in the league, got to a career high 15.1 points per game this this past season. Um, got a lot of due with starting um, over Buddy Heald, the, the unheralded Buddy Heald, who is also kind of looking to be on the move. So I think a guy like Bogdan could be really huge. But I think I think you hit the nail right on the head. Like, I think in terms of – trying to build upon something playoffs or not I think building upon the depth they already have is huge because they have some guys who developed a lot quicker than we anticipated and I think they had a lot to do with the fact why people were sliding them as not making the playoffs was because it felt like it was Chris Paul maybe you would say Danilo Gallinari Steven Adams and then everybody else we hadn't seen the burst of Shea out and Shea Gilgis Alexander to that extent yet Dennis Schroeder was a guy bouncing around from team to team and was just on an Atlanta Hawks team that wasn't really that good so the fact that these guys are developing faster than expected I think building up on your depth and growing this team up whether you lose these guys in free agency or trades or not I think it's a great way to go so I think depth should be the name of the game 
Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, what do you believe the draft philosophy and the off-season philosophy of the Oklahoma State Thunder will be? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.